Hi, and welcome back to Spatulas and Speculations. I am your unofficial Professor Lily, and this is the unofficial SJM 101. And today is technically part three, but part two of the Amran character deep dive. And it's been a different character deep dive to all the other ones that we've done in the sense of there's just so much to go through, and most of what we have to go through is just questions. There's not a lot of canonic you know, solidified answers. Even even this, the canonic stuff we get about her is very ambiguous and left, I want, it was left intentionally open. And I think it was for a reason. So we're going to get into it. Before we go too deep into it, I'm going to just throw out our spoiler warnings. I am going to be pulling from all three series and we're going to be talking in depth about all three series and all three series is big bads because Amran is Amran. And so there's going to be spoiler warnings for all 15 books by Sarah J. Mass. If you haven't finished reading them, come back and join the conversation when you are done. We will be here to scream, talk, and theorize with you when you're ready. The podcast isn't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. The second thing is, is I don't speak for Sarah and I don't speak for Bloomsbury. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. These are my notes. I'm human. I miss things. It happens. We just kind of, you know, we learn as we go. In this this is such a big concept of a of an episode and barring not making you know four hour long episodes i can only get through so much information at a time so this episode specifically is very condensed because i feel like i might even you know some further down the line I think I'm going to go back through, there are a few topics I want to go back through closer to when House of Flame and Shadow comes out and just do a little bit more like in-depth talking about. I don't know how that's going to work, but I do want to do it. So today is a condensed argument between what Amran is and it kind of boils down to Val, Gustiri, and other. And um, I just kind of condensed it all down into the big hot topic items for Valg, the big hot topic items for Asteri that relate back to Amran, and we're just going to go back and forth. Well, not really back and forth. We're going to have a healthy discussion, a good debate um, about these these three things, and we're going to try and see if we can find, a, a, you know, actually, you know, there's no answers. I should just say that now. There's no answers. At this point, I'm actually... I'm so back and forth. I want to. I want to feel so deeply that Amran is Valg, but I. I'm not. I am humble. I know when to admit when I'm wrong. And like honestly, looking at all the information, like I could be wrong in the theory, but at least I've done my information, and I think it's just. I'm gonna give you all the. <laughs> I'm gonna give you all of the pros and cons to each side, and then you guys can go back through and kind of make, inform your own decisions. I guess that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to inform your own decisions or pad what you believe or maybe make you question what you believe because that's exactly what I did. I padded what I thought, but I also questioned what I thought. And we're just going to kind of go through that. And it's going to end up going into, there's like a fourth section in the arguments that I've built. And there's a fourth section. And there's a fourth section. And it is both Valgasteri are the same thing and kind of throwing together some of the parallels between the two that make them seem similar. And we've had that discussion a million, a million times before, and it's just kind of something we keep circling back to. On that topic, there's going to be some stuff I might mispronounce. Thank you for having grace with me as I continue to learn and grow into the 
public speaker that I am somehow becoming, even though I never thought of myself as a public speaker. So I think without further ado, we should just get into it because it's going to be a big episode. I don't know. I tried to condense it down to like just like the key points to all these because if we get really down into the nitty gritty, (sighs) I feel like we would just be falling down the rabbit hole. So that's what I tried to do with all the information that I have on Amron. And we're going to start first in looking at her canonic use of powers. And then from that, we're going to break off into the four different sections. So let's do her canonic powers first and then move on. Okay. Amran doesn't use a lot of powers often, um, which I think is interesting considering that she's supposed to be this like all-powerful being. And yet, and yet, she's this all-powerful being. And yet more can make her submit more than once, actually, which is interesting and just kind of goes into the the more category that she can go up against Amran and make Amran submit. But yeah, so Amran does um, have what is like typical fey powers. This is what Nesta talks about in A Court of Silver Flames when Gwen and her are talking in the library and Gwen's like, you're doing this all by hand. And Nesta's like, I don't have like traditional fey powers. But Amran does, which I find interesting. So she has typical fey powers, which would include winnowing, telekinetic abilities, shielding, and she does that weird thing. I don't, I think it kind of falls under the telekinetic thing, but like she cleans Farah a few times, which Reese also does. Like they, you can get the dirt off of you, but you're not like, you don't feel clean, but like you are clean. She can do that as well. And she can make things vanish. I think she can use pocket realms, that kind of stuff. So that falls under like typical Fae powers, I would say. High Fae powers at least. But other than that, in Akamath 37, when they're getting the Book of Breathings, we see Amran do this really interesting thing. And it says, no, Amran screamed at the door in an instant. Her fist a radiant forge as she slammed it into the lead once, twice. And then further down it says, while Amran's blazing palms flattened against the door, burning, heating the metal, swirls and whirls radiating through it as if it were a language all her own, which I always thought word marks. And then in Akamath 58, when Hybern um, has broken into Valaris, they're having the the battle in Valaris, it says this, where was Reese? Where was my mate? Across the river, thunder boomed again. It was not Cassian or Asriel who held the other side of the river, but Amran. Her slim hands had only to point and soldiers would fall, fall as if their own wings had failed them. They slammed into the streets, thrashing, choking, clawing, shrieking, just as the people of Valaris had shrieked. And then further down, it says, Cassian and Azrael holding the river and a majority of the city away from Amran, using whatever dark power she'd possessed to send so many droves of them crashing without visible injury. And then in Akamath 60, we get a little bit of an explanation of what she was doing. It says, during one of our breaks, he told me what Amran had done on her side of the river with her dark power. She had spun illusions straight into the soldiers' minds. They had believed they were falling into the Sidra and were drowning. They believed they were flying a thousand feet above and then had dived fast and swift for the city, only to find a street mere feet away. 
and the crunch of their skulls, the crueler ones, the wickedest ones, she had unleashed their own nightmares upon them until they had died from terror, their own hearts giving out. Some had fallen into the river, drinking their own spreading blood as they drowned. Some had disappeared wholly. And that's it. There is one other incredibly interesting piece of information that I did end up screaming on my Instagram about because it just blew my mind. In Aftermath 68, this is in Reese's perspective, when they're coming back from Highburn, Feyre is gone to the spring court. Cassian's wings are completely shredded. Azriel is bleeding out, and it says this, I slammed to the floor of the townhouse, and Amran was instantly there, hands on Cassian's wings, swearing at the damage. And then the hole in Azriel's chest. Even her healing couldn't fix both. No, we need a real healer for each of them. And fast, because if Cassian lost those wings, I knew he'd prefer death any Illyrian would. And then a little further down it says, I mean to tell you, I said, watching the blood clot on Cassian's wings at Amran's tending. Amran can heal. Which, uh, uh, speechless, lost for words. Literally, I read this and my head empties of thoughts. N n no thoughts head empty, zero brain cells knocking together. Like, I got no- uh, 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 I got nothing. She can heal? What? What? I feel like that goes against everything. It goes against everything. I don't know why, but it just, it feels wild to me. Amron can heal? which opens up a whole can of worms we're going to get into. And then the last little bit of power that she has is shielding. Um, she uses spells mostly. She she shields Valaris. She shields quite a lot of things. And in Akawar 73, she can also break shields. Amran's power flared again and again, breaking through the wards in our path until we reached Striga's wake. Whatever spells the king had laid, Amran was prepared for them hungry for them. She shredded them all with a savage smile. So in essence, she's kind of like Helian and Farah in the way that she can break through spells and shields, which is, I think, actually kind of important um, regarding a bigger theory that I have. So that is the canonic breakdown or examples of Amrin actually using powers on page. That's what she can do. She has a bright hand forge that when she slams against the metal it creates symbols she has a dark power that's very similar to like the demetis and she can break through spells and can wield spells which the book of breathings is a spell book so that makes sense that she could use it but we're going to take this information and we're going to um maneuver it into the valg asteri other or both Valgasteri categories. So I'm going to start with the Valg category because that's the most information I have because there is the most parallels to it. And that's solely, I think, because we have more information on the Valg through Tog than we do of the Asteri currently in Crescent City. And I think that's sheerly because we have more content if, of Tog than we have of content of Crescent City. 
regardless, the Asteri are somewhat of an un, a quote-unquote unknown in Crescent City also, whereas we had a ton of information about the Valg throughout Throne of Glass, if that makes any sense. So that's why I have more information tying her, paralleling her to the Valg. Now, before we get into the Valg debate, I would like to say I there the other category we'll talk about the Old Testament um, biblical angel stuff. So I know that a lot of you, I don't even know, I, I'm assuming that some of you, at least a, a camp of you, are like, Old Testament angel! Ruin! Like, I, I hear you, I see you, I hear you, I see you. You are validated in your feelings, you're validated in your thoughts, we will get to it. There's not a lot to talk about, but we will get to it. And just keep an open mind. That's all I'm asking from myself, from you guys, is just keep an open mind because, like I said, we don't have any answers. There's not going to be a definitive yes or no what is Amran until Amran's story gets told. So this is this is theory at its highest, and I will never be like, I guess I should say like, even I, with my theory of Amran is, is Valg, and we'll talk about it in a second in great detail, can't just say like, she is a Valg, like definitive. If anyone says, like, they know exactly what someone is and there's no room for arguing, like, be wary. Because everything, unless it's literally written into the books, even if Sarah talks about it in interviews or whatever, that's not canon. Not really. Unless it's printed, published, it's not canon. And that's so hard. It's so hard to wrap our minds around sometimes. I know it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes to forget when things aren't canon in my own head. So just keep an open mind and um, hopefully this will at least get you guys thinking, pad your theories, get you thinking, get you your brains working and just have a little fun. That's all that this is supposed to be is just a little fun. Okay, so let's talk about the Valg thing. So my biggest theory is that Amran is a Valg, and more specifically, I think that she is a Valg death maiden, that we get to learn about just a tiny, teeny bit at the very end of Kingdom of Ash, and it haunts me to this day, and you guys know, we're going to talk about it, it's in Kingdom of Ash chapter 113, and it's in relation with Yurin and with Erwin, and the main reason why the the biggest piece of aha i think amran is a valg comes from in akamath when she was defending valaris and she was making the the soldiers of highburn die from fear and that immediately makes me think about in air of fire when aelin first meets a valg prince and it's in Air Fire, chapter 14, and it says this. When she saw him, the man standing behind the barrow, not a white, right? She glimpsed only a flash of pale skin, night, dark hair, unfathomable beauty, and an onyx torque around his strong column of a neck. But blackness, a wave of it slamming down on her, not oblivion, but actual dark, as if he'd thrown a blanket over the two of them. The ground felt grassy, but she couldn't see it, couldn't see anything. Not beyond, not to the side, not behind. There was only her and the swirling. And then it goes down a little further and it says, In the darkness, I saw things that no one should be able to see. It dragged me through my memories, and not the decent ones. Is that enough for you? Because Rowan was being Rowan in Air Fire. So, 
in that section of Akamaf, the soldiers couldn't tell up from down, basically, and they were slamming into the streets, just like what Aelin had said. She, she knew that there was ground, but she couldn't see anything. And then it was in her mind, making her relive her worst nightmares, her biggest fears. In Arafire 46, when they come across a woman who was taken by the Valk princes, it says, but they have her in too much iron and she won't make it through the night. Even if we go there now, she's already a husk, barely able to breathe. There is no coming back from what they've done. They fed from the very life of her, trapping her in her mind, making her relive whatever horrors and miseries she's already encountered. So that's what Amron was doing. She was feeding them their own nightmares until they died from a heart attack. And we see throughout all of Airfire when they're doing kind of, I actually kind of love it. It's like a little murder mystery on the side with Aelin and Rowan. And um, every, all the people had died of like heart attacks, of fear, of like an adrenaline rush, basically, which is what Amran is doing. So she must have some kind of Demetti power. And that feeds into how, so everything that I just read in Airfire chapter 14 about one of the Valg princes screams Reese, doesn't it? Like the, the black power, black hair, and how he was in her mind, that screams Reese, right? Well, in Akamath 48, Reese says this, a shrug, it helps me work off the strain of my power. The magic needs release draining or else it'll build up and drive me insane that's why we call the illyrian stone siphons they help them channel the power empty it when necessary actually insane i set aside the empty stubble and removed the lid from the meat pie actually insane or so i was warned i can feel it though the pull of it if i go too long without releasing it that's horrible another shrug everything has a cost farah if the price of being strong enough to shield my people is that I have to struggle with that same power, then I don't mind. Amrin taught me enough about controlling it. Enough that I owe a great deal to her, including the current shield around my city while we're here. So Amrin was able to understand and help Reese control his dark magic. And that's reaffirmed in Act War 69 during his big speech. He's, it says, Reese bowed his head to her. If I had not met a tiny monster who hoards jewels more fiercely than a fire drake. A quiet laugh all around us at that. Reese smiled softly. My own power would have consumed me long ago. Amran trained, helped train Reese. Like, for me, that's, like, enough, you know? <laughs> but then we have to talk about how Amran, when she was in her true form, after she was released from the cauldron, she was that big ball of light and flame, right? So you're going to be like, well, how does that work with Valk? She can heal like Yurine. She's that big ball of light, right? Light, just like the healers. In Koa 113, it says, Erwin panted as he approached healer, he breathed, his unholy power emanating from him like a black aura. She backed away a step, closer to the balcony rail. The dark king followed her, a predator closing on its long-awaited prey. 
Do you know how long I have looked for you? The wind tossed his golden hair. Do you even know what you can do? She hesitated, slamming into the balcony rail behind her, the drop so hideously endless. How do you think we took the keys in the first place? A hateful, horrible smile. In my world, your kind exists, too. Not healers to us, but executioners, death maidens, capable of healing, but also unhealing, unbinding the very fabric of life of worlds. Erwin smiled. So we took your kind and used them to unbind the word gate, to rip the three pieces from it, from its very essence. Maeve never learned of it and never shall. His jagged breathing deepened as he savored each word, each step closer. It took all of them to hew the keys from the gate, every one of the healers amongst my kind. But you, with your gifts, it would only take you to do it again. And with the keys now returned to the gate, another smile. Maeve thinks I left to kill you, destroy you. Your little fire queen thought so too. She could not conceive that I wanted to find you before Maeve, before any harm could come to you. And now that I have, what fun you and I shall have, Yurine Towers. So it is alluded, it's not confirmed, but it is alluded that the Death Maidens, the healers, are actually Valk. So that doesn't cancel out that a Valk can heal, right? That a Valk could have light powers. We see that even with the witches in Throne of Glass, how they can have a dark yieldling or a light yieldling, but one doesn't cancel the other out, right? right? And speaking of the yieldling, Amran's death was so yieldling-like. Akawar, 75, but that power was fading, vanishing ember by ember. Yet Amran went to the sea where my father and Vasa's armies battled alongside Miriam's people. Entire boltfuls of Hybern soldiers fell still after she passed, as if she had inhaled the life right out of them. <laughs> Valg. Even while her own life sputtered out, Amran reached the final boat, the very last ship of our enemies, and was no more than a flame on the breeze. And when that ship too fell silent, there was only light, bright, clean light dancing on the waves. A bright light. She yielded all of herself. <laughs> okay, okay, but... Maybe not. Maybe not, right? Maybe that's not enough. Maybe that, I mean, that we're going to talk about how her other form and what she did also can lead back to the Assyria, so let's put a pin in that one. But there's one other p key, crucial, canonic information we get about Amran. She drinks blood, right? In Akamath 29, it says, I forgot what she was talking about when the owner emerged with a metal goblet full of dark liquid and placed it before Amran. Reese's second hadn't touched her plate, but pushed the food around like she might actually be trying to be polite. When she saw the goblet laid before her, she flicked her brows up. You don't have to do that. The owner shrugged her slim shoulders. It's fresh and hot, and we need the beast for tomorrow's roast anyways. I had a horrible feeling that I knew what was inside. Amran swirled the goblet, 
dark liquid lapping the sides like wine, <laughs> and then sipped from it. You spiced it nicely. Blood gleamed on her teeth. So she drinks blood, right? There's the canonic first piece of evidence there. We later get a little bit more information in Akamath 32. It says Amran didn't touch her plate, though she pushed things around as she always did. I wonder what, who, she'd eat while she was here. So she doesn't always eat animal blood, or at least it's not alluded. It's not always animal blood. It could be others. She doesn't like humans. As we learn in Akamath 39, it says, do you have a favorite? Talking about flavor of blood. She jerked her bloody chin and then wiped it away with a napkin as she realized she'd made a mess. Lamb has always been my favorite, horrible as it is. Not human. She made a face. Watery, it often tastes like what they last ate. And since most humans have piss-poor palates, it's too much of a gamble. But lamb, I'll take goat, too. The blood is purer, richer. Reminds me of another time and another place. Which also could go back into the Amran is a holy angel thing. But again, we'll talk about it in a second. Talk about it in a second. In Akwar 66, it said this. I didn't have the nerve to request she'd find some of Amran's preferred food as well, even if I had no doubt Amran would need it after her activities with Varian last night. Unless he'd... I didn't even let myself think about that as I aimed for her tent. Alluding to, wondering if Varian lets Amran drink his blood. Her? Okay, so... There's that, right? 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 The witches of Tog love blood. They're licking, they eat. It's kind of, I mean, it's a little gross, but like there's a whole, it's it's all throughout Throne of Glass. The witches drink blood. They like the taste of blood. They're licking it off their nails after they make a kill. And on top of that, I distinctly remember, but I didn't find it for this episode, that Dorian even offers himself up to Manon in the same way that Varian did. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another little piece of information that I get here that, that leads me into some questions because so there was that she drinks blood like wine we get that like terminology like wine between the Valg and the Asteri in the topic of like there's magic in blood magic equals first light they drink of it like wine that kind of thing so there's that parallel as well and then also in Akamath 36 when Thera is going for the Book of Breathings, or the one of the wards, or I don't remember exactly what it was. She says, or in Akmath 36, when Thera is going for the book, she says this, my fingers froze to it as if the power were leeching my essence, her magic, drinking as Amran drank. Why would it, like, why would Sarah liken it like that? Like, <laughs> I should also mention, it never mentions if she drinks from fae blood or magical beings. That is never, ever brought up. It was only humans, and she says that lamb or goat are, are her favorite, but it's never mentioned if she's ever drinking from someone of magical beings, which I think is suspicious. I, I actually think that's really, really suspicious, especially in Akamath that we read earlier, how she says, I wonder who or what Amran would drink from. 
And the last little parallel I kind of want to throw in with Amran and the witches is there is distinct few mentions of Amran's long nails. One time she's even cleaning her nails with a little bit of bone, which she does keep those bones on her that she had in her pocket to give to Nesta for scrying. So it could have been one of those bones. I don't know. But it says, so there's a few mentions of Amran's nails, which kind of parallels Jezebel's nails that get mentioned in um, Crescent City. And we know that Jezebel is a witch. So I just like, if that's unhinged, but it's still there and it still like prickles me every time I see it. The only thing that I would say kind of goes against my Valg theory is number one, Amran claims that she had no gender. She just was in her form. And the Valg do have, seemingly do have genders. But she does talk about her brothers and sisters, which alludes to genders. So I, I, I just kind of like, uh, uh, it's a little wishy-washy on there how she said that she had no genders. But then earlier she had said that she had brothers and sisters, which is kind of confusing. She could have just said siblings. I, you know, it, that was a little weird. That's a little, like, that seems a little like continuity error in my opinion. And then there's obviously that her true form was flame and light. But then again, the Death Maidens were like healers, so they must have had light powers as well. So I, a big shrug on shoulders on that one. It, there could be the fact that like the Death Maidens were on the Valg world, but that didn't make them Valg. But then again, Erwin did just say, like, my kind. So, unless you want to say that, like, the Valg kings, this is a whole other topic, the Valg kings aren't, like, true Valg. Like, they could be something else, which makes them distinctly different. And that's why, like, their gold eyes and the other Valgs shrink away from their gold eyes. Like, there is something kind of there in that. So, yeah. And, and, like, also, Kaltin had flame powers, and there was a Valg in her, and, like, they they did say that, like, one of them could take over Aelin's body, so I, I, I don't know. It's kind of, it's like a back and forth thing. So, um, before we do the Asteri thing, we're just going to quickly go through the Old Testament bits. So, there is five distinct calls to Amran having ties to the Old Testament, um, biblical from earth, from the real world, and that would be the holy tongue. I'm not going to try and pronounce it again because I know for sure I probably butchered it last time. Um, so there is that, but I would like to preference in parentheses that the holy tongue is not a spell book. That seems like it might kind of be blasphemous in itself. So I think it was nothing more than an imprint, which we talked about the other day. So, but there's the holy tongue. There was the blood on the doors in Akawar when Amran goes hunting looking for more uh, Highburn spies. But I would like to preference that Feyre questions how would she know who was a spy and who wasn't, which kind of references back to Amran maybe having Demeti-like powers. And then there's her preference of lamb's blood. That is a, that feels like a very distinct call to like sacrifices and stuff that they did in the Old Testament, picking the unblemished um, lamb with the perfect coat for um, sacrifices in the Old Testament. That seems like a very distinct call. And then there was the twin cities or the this, yeah, the twin cities, the cities that she had smote holy to rubble at the urging of her god or her father. 
And then there is obviously Sarah likening her to an Old Testament angel. But I would like to preference, and this is going to go in with the more or less a Siri talk, but we have canonic in the SJM universe angels and archangels. They look nothing like, act nothing like, are nothing like Amran. They aren't true immortals. Amran was a true immortal. They don't have the same powers of her as her. I don't think, and I could be corrected, but I don't think any angel has firepower or like a light power. So it just seems to me like to bring in a different set of, like another set of angels that are different but called the same would be very confusing. And I don't see it really happening just like on a like editorial kind of section but that's just my opinion but those are the distinct calls back to old testament um hebrew yada yada ying and i think personally it's nothing more than an ode to and a nod to because even in crescent city as i started my crescent city reread i do see a few like things that call back to like greek myth like very distinctly and I just think it's nothing more than a, because it's completely changed. It's it's not actually the same, but they're just kind of called the same. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense? Sometimes I don't even make sense in my own brain. But I think that Sarah is just kind of like, she's creating it as her own. So I just don't see her actually being an Old Testament angel, especially when it would be far more interesting storyline-wise if Amran was a Valk or if Amran was an Asteri. But there's one other thing that Amran could be. And that is a drake. She is almost only ever likened to a fire drake or a drake. A drake is a dragon. And we, in Crescent City, we do have dragons with, like, flame powers. They could burn the hides off of the princes of hell. It seems like Amran's fire is pretty, like, quote-unquote, holy like that. Um... And they are also true immortals, and she was a true immortal. So there is that. And there's also one time in Akawar when Varian and her kind of solidify their relationship physically, where she purrs, and Pharaoh was like an unearthly purr or something like that, which I feel like a happy dragon could purr. <laughs> So there is that. Those are, those are the two others that I would say she kind of falls into, but there's not a lot on either of them. It's just kind of wishy-washy. I do think it's interesting that they liken her to a, a dragon so, so distinctly and so often. Um, but I don't, I mean, the dragons seem to have a dragon form and Amory didn't have a, like a dragon form. But I will question, when she did come to Perithian the first time, was she a big ball of fire? How was she, like, hang- like, how was she just not burning everything she touched? Did she have, like, a- and I'm gonna put this in parentheses- a muted form? Does that make any sense? Like, like, I- I- she was a big ball, like a huge behemoth. Pharaoh says behemoth, gigantic ball of flame. 
and light with vague imprints. I should also note, like, it wasn't like she had a solid form of an angel. It was just, like, Vera thought she could see wings. Dragons do have wings. Like, thought she could see hair, but, like, it was just too much, you know, which I guess also kind of falls under the angel thing. Like, it was too much to look at angels in the Bible. So, whatever. But, like, did she have, like, a, a more palliable palliable form like how did like did she just a big ball of light in the prison like did she have more of a condensed i also question her eyes the silver smoke you know was supposed to be like an echo of her power but like we didn't see any silver flame quicksilver anything like that in her true form <sighs> There are no answers. There's only questions. Okay. Asteri. Could Amrin be an Asteri? Before literally anyone says anything, thinks anything, before you think anything, canonically, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I'm just going to, canonically, there is no plausible way for Amrin to be serious. Canonically. If you want to disregard canon and have this theory for yourself. Please have joy. Don't question me on it, because I'm just going to bring you back into canon. Canonically, from what we see, there is no possible way for her to be serious. That doesn't mean she couldn't be an Asteri-like being, because we know the Asteri had multiple different siblings around the across around throughout the universes, and they've been trying to find them ever since. They know that the years, their siblings on Perithian are supposedly dead. So they're not looking for the ones on Perithian, but they do want revenge on the people of Perithian. But they do have other siblings out in the cosmos that they've been looking for. So just, just have that there. So there's that. I'm not trying to say that she's going to be serious. I'm just saying that if she is Asteri-like, or an Asteri being, or a part of the Asteri, that's what we're talking about here. Okay? <laughs> I get so many DMs on Amron being serious. And I love that people have theories and I love that people, that that's what brings them joy. But for me personally, with the canon information that we've gone through a million times on this podcast, it is not timeline-wise plausible unless Sarah decides to throw a timeline out the window with a bunch of wishy-washy stuff, which could happen. We have a lot of time travel stuff that's been hinted at. It is definitely plausible, but... So, moving onward. Agassif 55, when Nesta and Cassian come back from the prison, they're talking about the wild hunt, they're talking about Gwydion, and it says this. Feyre asked, does Amran remember this? Rhys shook his head. Only vaguely now, from what I've gleaned, she arrived during those years before Finn and Gwydion rose, and went into the prison during the Age of Legends, the time when this land was full of heroic figures who were keen to hunt down the last members of their master's former race. They feared Amran, believing her one of their enemies, and threw her into the prison. When she emerged again, she missed Finn's fall and the loss of Gwydion, and found High Lord's ruling. So, um, she reminded the old Fae of their former master's race, and they feared her, believing her one of the enemies. Therefore, she must have 
shared some distinct characteristics of the Daglin. And that is if the Daglin equals theory, because we have seen flip sides, I think even on this podcast, where the Daglin could be also Valg, so like there's that. But regardless, she reminded them of the Daglin and those who rode the Wild Hunt. Lanthes was a part of that crew. Those, the hound, not hounds, that we see in Hue and City were a part of that clan. So again, did she have like a muted form again? But I will say this. So she was that big ball of light. And let's just say that that was her only form before she bound her body. How could she remind them of the Daglin if, you know, whatever? Okay, do you remember when we were talking about the canon powers a few minutes ago? When she was pounding on the door in Akamath when they're trying to get away with the book of breathings in the summer court? Her hand glowed like a forge. Okay, remember that? Hosab, chapter 77. And sorry for the emotional pain I'm about to drop on you and kind of like ignore. Regulus laid his glowing hand on Hunt's brow and pain erupted through his skull, his muscles, his blood. The very marrow of his bones was being burned into mist. Regulus's, Rigulus's glowing hand. So yeah, that's a pretty big, pretty big call to it. <laughs> if I do, I mean, I, I'm team Val and even I can be like, okay, yeah, team Mysterio can have that one. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big parallel there. But I will say we've only seen the Asteri use their power one time or I guess twice. And it was Regulus Rigulus. I say Regulus. I think it's Rigulus. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> um, and he was like blasting out beams of light at Bryce. It wasn't very finessy. We know that they could like level cities with their power, but we've never seen it. Um, yeah, it, it seems kind of clumsy in my opinion. I don't really know how like it's just a big ball of light. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming the Asteri have more power than they let on. And we've talked about the Asteri before, so I won't go into like super, super, super too much detail. But I will say this, there is another really good pro side to the Asteri column. There's not a lot in the Asteri column from me. Um, and that could change later throughout my Crescent City reread. I'm picking up more things than I ever noticed before. So like I almost half the time, I feel like I'm not even qualified for this podcast but whatever. Um, so it could change, but there, again, there's not a lot on the Asteri, so I can only work with the very little information I have, but I will say this. In Akwar 75, it says this, she spread those wings, flame and light rippling to encompass her, no more than a burning behemoth that swept down upon Hybern's armies. They began running. Amran came down on them like a hammer, raining fire and brimstone. She swept through them, burning them, drinking in their death. Some died at the mere whisper of her passing. Okay. The big word there would be brimstone. It's not used often in SJMU, but it is the biggest time, and the only time really, is in House of Earth and Blood chapter 90, and it says, the brimstone missiles. (laughs) weren't ordinary bombs of chemicals and metal, 
They were pure magic, made by the Asterian Guard, a combination of their angelic powers of wind and rain and- oh, fire. Huh. Oh my goodness. I just have this- I just had this biggest wave of- Why am I allowed to do anything? <laughs> so they do have fire. Do we see an angel with fire? Ever? Is it only mentioned there? Anyways. With their angelic powers of wind and rain and fire into one hyper-contracted entity, bound with first light and fired through machinery, where they struck, destruction bloomed. To make them even deadlier, they were laced with spells to slow healing, even for Vanier. The only comfort for any of their receiving end was that the missiles took a while to make, offering reprieve around between rounds. A small fool's comfort. So, Brimstone, I feel like I should just, I just had this thought of like, I should re-record everything, but you know what? I think it's probably good for you to sometimes see that I am stupid. Okay? So, Yeah. I guess angels have fire powers. Didn't know that until literally three seconds ago. But there's the brimstone. I did research brimstone is from used in Hebrew. So again, there's like a little call there. And the, and also the New Testament. It is a symbol of divine judgment on the unfaithful. And it's sulfur in parentheses fire in relation to lightning and lightning was used as like divine judgment um so that's what brimstone is if you didn't know i didn't know um so there's kind of like it's so interesting sometimes all of these like bleed all together and like so the asteri have this brimstone thing which leads into this and like it just kind of like it all f like it's it's almost like it's all the same thing Realistically, it feels like it's all the same thing. Mm. And then the next thing that I think would tie her closer to the Asiri than maybe the Valg would be her knowing of Starfall in Akamath 44. It says, she won't take time from decoding. Yes and no. Something about Starfall disturbs her. She claims. Who knows? She probably does it to be contradictory. We know canonically in Akamath re-says that they are souls, they're not stars. We've had the first episode of this podcast is my theory on Starfall and it being the souls that we see passing through the dead realms to, you know, e be eaten. Um, so she could know about that and that's why it disturbs her. Does that make any sense? So there's that. And then also I think the last like somewhat unhinged part would be if the Tog gods are Asteri, her and Mala parallel each other in more than one way, but there's w one distinct piece is that Mala had bound herself to a body, and then when she was unbound, she said that she would not remember anyone, and Amran said the exact same thing, but interestingly enough, both of them did remember eventually, or they said they weren't going to remember, but then they did remember. So there is that parallel as well, but that's only if the Tog gods are Asteri. Okay. But to, to kind of, as I was saying, like, you know, how like they all kind of like bleed in through each other. We've been talking and spiraling and going kind of back and forth, back and forth since 
you know, House of Sky and Breath, really, not even just this podcast, but I think just everybody in the community has been trying to, like, they've been drawing the the parallels between the Valg and Asteri. So, these two argue, or these three arguments, I guess, I mean, option C is just kind of option C, and I just throw it over there because maybe I'm wrong about everything and I know nothing, and I'm stupid, which kind of, as we saw, that I didn't... Angels have fire. I... Sometimes I'm need, I need a teacher. <laughs> I need a, I need a me. I need a me who's better. There, I know there's other people who are out here who are better than me. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, we've been kind of spiraling about could the Valg and Asteri actually be the same thing? And they do share very distinct characteristics. We have that term like wine that we kind of talked about a little bit ago and how it's like one and the same. Um, it just seems like slightly different on the Valg side. Like the Valg are like the darker, they're the same sides of the coin. They're two different sides of the same coin is what I should say. Like one's light and one's dark, I guess. But again, we don't know enough about the Asteria. Like how were they feeding before their little batteries? Like, what did that look like? Um, we don't see that. We don't know that. Um, can they feed directly? What powers do they have? How do they get their powers? We know that first light is magic. And like, we see with the seeds of light with the, um, you know, the, the Stigan spiders, I think that's how it's pronounced, with Dorian, how like, they make the bargain and they get like a bit of their life and people who have magic when they give a bit of their life their first light they are gifted the power so is that what's happened with the asteri so because they eat first light is that how they get their magic so like could even what we know about the asteri be fundamentally wrong because it's not even their power to begin with does that make sense do you hear what i'm trying to say so i mean again i guess I feel like it's just a little bit Meh, you know. But both Valg and Asteri are true immortals. There were Valg-like beings who rode the Wild Hunt. We also th think probably Daglin are Asteri, so they were working together at some point, regardless. And Perithian. She said she was bred, and both the Asteri and the Valg both like to breed and create things. And we have never seen the true forms, nor do we know the true names of both of them. Um, it's kind of pretty ambiguous. We also don't know Amran's true name, and we don't know why she picked Amran. I will say there are two little calls that I'd like to point out that I kind of forgot. Um, on the Valg side and on the Valg death maiden side, Amran took her form for a very specific reason but she didn't say why. But she looks like the Fae from the Dawn Court, and she actually prefers to wear Dawn Court clothing, which I think could be a hint, hint, nudge, nudge, because they're the healers, they're Tower of Dawn, um, Urine. So, like, there's that on that end um, that I, want, I forgot to throw in there. And then also I would like to point out that when Amran did die, there was no time warping where that should have happened if she was like an archangel so there's that i'm just kind of throwing out the rest of my notes that i kind of have i have a 
I have a dock in front of me that I'm recording from, but I also have like the first dock, which is always in paper form. And I'm just trying to go through and make sure I didn't forget anything. I think the only thing that trips me up is that there were humans where she was and they she there were humans there for a long time where she was so I don't think she is a like I said earlier when we first started talking about the Asteri I don't think she could be an Asteri from like Midgard because the Asteri weren't on Midgard very long before like the rifts and stuff were open so I don't think it was that and I would also say that she says her father was the one who opened the rifts. So whoever she comes from has to have knowledge of the rifts and how to make them, which is the Valg, the Valg. Um, yeah, and I guess that's kind of it. I, the only other person that I think she could maybe even somewhat relate to would be like Striga and how like Striga would like eat people to stay young and beautiful, which is very similar to like Amran drinking the blood but I don't know if that's like what would happen if a, you know Erwin was trapped in that tomb he wasn't fed but he didn't die that whole time so if Amran didn't eat would she die back this is back before she because obviously it might not matter you know at the end of the day kind of because she's made now different. She's just high fae now. She does still have power left, and it was left kind of ambiguous in Akasif. Like they they just alluded to her still having some power, but she's not as powerful as she once was, obviously. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, like what she could and couldn't do, and what she once was, just doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because. She's not that anymore. She has completely changed. She is only high fey now. But I think that this is kind of like end thoughts um, a little bit. I think that Sarah didn't just have Bryce land on Perithian just to laugh. <laughs> it wasn't for no reason. Like there has to be, an, like I don't think her editors would let her just to like, you know, waste pages just for like an aha moment like haha there's Reese like she had Bryce Lane on Perithian for a reason and so there has to be like plot reasons why and as we read in that one quote during the first Amran episode from Sarah she said she does want to tell Amran's story so if like we're gonna get a lot of information about what happened 1500 years ago and I think Amran's story is going to fall into there. So we, I feel like, and, and this is a pretty good bet, I feel safe on betting this, that we might learn what Amran is. And if we do, it's going to have a bearing to the plot. And currently, the plot is Asteri and also kind of Valg because, like, we have two missing Valg kings. So there's... I f it's going to be important. So, I mean, like, it's not, we shouldn't not be talking about what Amran is because obviously it's been a big mystery for a long time and it's been like that for a while and Sarah did say she wants to tell her story and you can't just tell a story just to tell a story, you know. Um, I think there's like a, a pretty strict uh, writer's, editor's kind of thing where like every 
every everything on page has to have bearing to the story in some way needs to keep the plot moving in some way especially with really big books like sarah's like she doesn't have page time she can't afford to just excuse me language a little bit to dick around you know like she has to conserve time because they're gonna they're cutting all the non-important bits so like the only things that are going to be left are the important bits and uh where am i going with this i forget now we're gonna know is i guess what we're gonna say so i um end my end conclusion i'm still if there was like a line and i i'm throwing out you know just from this is for me we're gonna just talk about me and what my final opinions are. I'm throwing out the um, Old Testament bit because I just don't see it. It, it just doesn't make sense. Um, like, I was just trying to say, like, everything kind of needs to actually have a point and just th- randomly throwing in the holy biblical God of Earth just doesn't make sense to me narratively. Um, so I'm just tossing that out the window right now. And if I'm wrong, then you all have rights to um, say I told you so. Um, that's fair game on that only on that one. If I'm wrong about anything else, like, don't DM me and be like, you're wrong about everything, because I'll be crying about it. Don't worry. And I'll probably delete myself from social media, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> if I'm if I'm wrong about literally everything, I probably will, because, like, obviously, then I don't deserve to have a platform, and there's that. But if I'm wrong about some things, like, don't, please don't DM me and be like, you were wrong, just to be mean. But if I was wrong about the Old Testament thing, then yeah, everyone has full, full, full game to uh, DM me and and say I was wrong <laughs> about life. Um, but so if there is a line, and one side is Valg and one side is Asteri, I would say about sixty percent of me is on the Valg side, and forty percent is on the. 20% is on the Asteri side, because I just can't get over the brimstone bit, and then 20% is Valg and Asteri are actually the same thing. So, yeah, um, in America, we have four states that perfectly line up, and you can, you can have, like, you can sit in four states at one time. It's like a kind of like a fun thing or whatever. Like, I kind of, that's where I'm at. I'm, like, kind of sitting at, like, the crossroads, but, like, most of my body's on the Valg side, but, like, a little butt cheek <laughs> is on, on the other side. Because I am, I'm not egotistical, I am humble, I can admit when I'm wrong, and, like, there are some really distinct calls to Asteri. But how dare Sarah? How dare Sarah not make it easy, not make it obvious? Why did she throw in the Drake thing? That's rude, because <laughs> I don't get it. I don't, why mention that? Why the blood? Like, it doesn't, was she drinking blood in her perfect form? Like, the, did she need to eat? Why was she made different than her siblings? Like, she was always more curious and, like, whatever. Like, why was she so different? Why would her father gift her the ability, like, she said, like, as a gift. He opened the rift for her as a gift. Like, what does that mean? And I'm still, like, why'd she pick Amran out of all names? Because there was a reason for it. And, like, there's just so much. 
And I think I'm really glad that this episode is done finally because I've spent so much time looking at Amran. And it's not as fun <laughs> looking at Amran as to looking at all the other characters because all the other characters are very, like, Sarah put them on a path and she kept them on the path. Like, there's a few times where they got, like, one foot off the path, but it was fine because, like, you can be like, oh, there's maybe a theory that branches out there. But with Amran, there is no path. There's no path. There's no anything. You have nothing to guide you. No stars. It's pitch black. You're walking through the woods and you're just smashing your toes on rocks and on logs and you're getting hit in the head with tree branches and there's mosquitoes everywhere and you're hearing this creepy thing like howling it like not even like a regular like wolf or coyote like it's just like a creepy beast and there's like a bird cawing at you and it's just it's not fun because you don't have a light your phone died you got a sunburn earlier so your skin is chafing you have to pee and you're gonna have to wipe with a leaf and it's probably gonna be poison ivy because you can't see because it's dark and that's how i feel right now like i'm so tired i'm so tired of amarin because I get, I, you know, throughout more and as and Elaine and just like, even I've, I, I've built a character. Uh, this is a little hint, hint, um, coming up. Uh, there's going to be an Eris character deep dive coming down the line very soon. Not next week, maybe the week after. Um, like even him, like I have such, like, he's so distinct and like, we know their path, like, cause she's very clearly put things out even like Lydia like there's just like oh there's just so much canon and with Amarin there's nothing she's an enigma she's a big puzzle and we're missing pieces and it's upside down so you're just trying to build off the cardboard side like there's nothing and at, at this point I kind of just have to be like I think I have to admit defeat um the only person who knows is Sarah, and that's, even with Reese, like, to say he is Valg, you could be so definitive in that, because even in today's episode, you're like, oh, that Valg prince sounds like Reese. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, it's so, his being, the word hounds, like, all that stuff, like, it's so easy. And there's so many, like, direct ties and parallels, and, like, you could build... Uh, you could write a thesis on it, you know? And even with healers being starborn, like, there's so much there. And yet, with Amran, there's nothing. And I hated it. I hated it. I, I am a, I am an analytical facts girly and creating these character deep dives for Amran, I thought for sure I was going to come out winning. I didn't even make it to the top of the mountain. I'm still stuck in the woods and it's dark. I didn't, I didn't even find the trailhead to the, to the hike to the mountain is what I feel like. Um, but I hope that that's not the same for you. I hope that for you, you got at least something out of these few episodes that we did. And I think maybe, maybe we'll revisit it closer to um how fast there's a few things i'd like to revisit and um 
Yeah, I just, maybe you learned something about her. Did you know she could heal? I certainly didn't. When I was building these character deep dives, I had an actual breakdown that was seen on Instagram because I felt stupid. This episode made me feel stupid. I don't like that. I want to feel smart again. Um, and to do that, next week, we're doing a requested chapter breakdown. It feels good for me because I love, I love those. They make me feel grounded. Right now, I don't feel grounded. I feel like a kite in the breeze. Whoosh, and Amryn is laughing at me. She would love this. Oh, she would love this. Amryn? I mean, we do have the same personality type, so, like, I know that she would love this. She'd be, like, cackling at me. At my misery. She's like, you thought she could figure me out. Ha! You puny mortal girl. And then I'd be like, Amryn, we're the same height. And she'd be like, you're small in spirit. I'd be like, yeah. I am small in spirit. And then she'd thwap a book at me. <sighs> okay. That was very condensed. Um, I did, like I said earlier, um, I know it kind of feels like, how did she get that all in in this much time? I really did try to keep it very more structured and, and more to the point. Um, just because, like, we could get, like, you, you know, I'm, I'm full of analogies today. You can tell I'm tired. Um, <laughs> you know how, in, at, like, swimming places, they have, like, the buoys? Like, if I hadn't kept us pretty structured and on point with the parallels and stuff between them like we would have just ended up getting like lost out to sea and I really just wanted to keep us pretty like tight to canon so that's what I tried to do um and I really hope that worked for you guys I know some of you don't don't like when I I go on long long-winded rambles as I had just done and uh, I apologize if that is something that is hard for you. I know today might have been a little bit of a fast-paced ramble. I feel like I've been speaking really fast lately when I'm recording, and I, I should try to slow down a little bit. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a good time. I hope it got you thinking. I hope you guys have your own theories. Maybe when this comes out, I will, like, do a little, not a and a but like a what do you think she is? And we'll just kind of share a little bit. Um, I know that the podcast community can be really hard because there's not a lot of community involved. And um, I really wish I could give you guys more for that. So maybe that's the one way to do it. But I will say we are doing the Crescent City reread on Fable. You can find it in my link tree. It's not too late to join. And I did find out um, that our conversations from this book will always be there. So even if you just want to do it on your own, not with us, or, you know, when you're ready to do your Crescent City reread, and you just want to go back through, like, the chapters to see what everybody was talking about, you can always do that. It's not going to go anywhere. To my knowledge, from what I've seen, it won't be going anywhere. So, it'll always be there, but if you want to join, it's been fun for me. Um, I love, I'm, I'm kind of lurking, because that's more of my natural tendency, is to, like, I'm, like, stand and watch kind of person and just reading through everyone's theories and thoughts has been like so much fun and uh my own reread has been utterly eye-opening uh as you can see here apparently angels have fire i'm not letting that go i'm i deserve like a little bit of a timeout on that one that was so dumb oh laugh away at me please uh <laughs> I, like, do we, I don't think we ever see an angel with fire powers, though. Like, I feel like I would have remembered that pretty distinctly. (sighs) 
I don't know. I hope that this got you thinking. I hope you had fun with it. And I hope it maybe padded your theories a little bit, made you question your theories. That's always good. You should always be questioning. You should question everything I say. You should always be double checking me and double checking yourselves. Like, it's really important. There's so much information throughout all of, you know, all 15 books that it's easy for things to fall through the cracks. And uh, it, this is a good, good, the, the fire thing. That's a good, the fire thing and Amran healing Cassian's wings at the end of Akamath. I never picked that up. And I've read that piece like a million times, but I was always focusing on more healing that I did not realize that Amran was healing. And that was a big mistake on my own part. I feel like the Akamath or the Akatar reread is going to be pretty big for me. And even the Throne of Glass, I feel like there's just not enough time to absorb everything. You know, there's there's 15, there's 15 books and each of them are, you know, 300 plus pages. I mean, maybe aside from Akatar, but like they're big books. There's a lot of information. I, I applaud Sarah and how thorough she is because like it's a lot. As someone who hype, who has been hyper fixated on her for over a year, who spends every day looking and researching and taking notes and like having conversations with people and like it's always fresh in my head. Like I applaud her because it's crazy. I'd love to know what her process is because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Whew. Anyways, I hope you guys have a good week and I will see you next week for a chapter breakdown, a little whoo after that big section we just did. And yeah, okay. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>